You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So we're in week three of this message series called Step Forward with Jesus this whole year. We are speaking about walking in step with the Spirit. Our key verse for the year is, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I want to invite you, if you haven't downloaded the Riverside app yet, to do that on your phone or your tablet. And uh, the notes are in there under the live event there. You're welcome to follow along every week. Also, all the information that you need to know about the church is in that app. And thank you for doing that. So the first week, we talked about this secret meeting Jesus had with a public figure, Nicodemus. Then the last week, we talked about a public meeting Jesus had with a foreign woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. Today, I want to talk about an enlightening encounter with a blind man. And we're in John chapter 9, so I invite you, if you have your scriptures, to turn to John chapter 9 or follow along in the app if you want to follow along there. John chapter 9. And the story begins with a question, why did bad things happen to this man? Why was he born blind? And before I get into the message, that's a good question to ask because we see a lot of tragic circumstances, don't we? I mean, come on. I don't know what's going on, but the hurricanes, earthquakes, the headline news that we see, people innocently suffering catastrophic tragedies in our world today. And some would logically ask the question, why does God allow that kind of suffering to happen? Why does God allow human slavery to take place? That's a good question to ask. It's a question that this begins with, and I want to start there. But biblical injustice talks about the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them, their life, their dignity, their fruits of their labor, and their love. That's what IJM is all about, is is taking care and eradicating this uh, kind of injustice. But but when, when it comes to natural disasters or tragedies, hurricanes, earthquakes, disease, disabilities, uh, blame isn't so evident. Yet we instinctively feel the need to find a cause, right? Our logical minds say there's got to be a reason for this. There's got to be a cause for this result. And so the question really I'm asking is how does Jesus respond when people are looking to place blame for a person's disability. And, and, and maybe the next question is, if this is how Jesus responds, how then should we, as Jesus' followers, respond to that? So John chapter 9 begins with, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Blind from birth, okay? Understand that. He was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, or teacher, who sinned? This, man's, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Well, okay, so think about that question for just a minute, all right? They have this belief that bad things are a sign of God's punishment. When bad things happen to you, God is punishing you. And so here is a man who is born blind. How could he be punished when for something that he did when before he was even born. So if it wasn't him, then his parents must have done something bad and God is punishing his parents because their child was born blind. 
So they see this man with a physical disability and they turn it into a theological debate, a theological question. And again, that's not a bad question, but there's a blind man there. <laughs> They're talking about him when he's right there in front of them. Think about that. So this assumption is, who's to blame? If he was born this way, who caused his difficulty? Someone is to blame, and we can't blame God for that, so it must be us. It must be a human cause for that. And I like Jesus' answer here. Jesus goes on and says, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned. In other words, neither of them. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we, notice, not I, he said, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Chapter eight, Jesus makes that declaration. I am the light of the world. Anyone who sees me or believes in me will never walk in darkness again. So Jesus' answer to their why question, why is this man born blind? He said, neither. It's not the man's fault or his parents' fault. He's effectively saying, you're asking the wrong question here. The question shouldn't be about whose fault it is. The question should be about how does God care about this person? The reality is brokenness, sin, tragedies, disease, disabilities, they all happen. We live in a fallen world. If you want to blame it on anybody, blame it on Adam and Eve and the fallenness of humanity if you want to go back that far. The concern shouldn't be whose fault is it. The concern should be what shall we do about it? What's our response to this? People say, if there is a God, why is there so much injustice in the world? Why is there so much tragedy in the world? I see a God who looks at the injustice and the tragedy of the world and he steps into that world. He comes into that world. People want to fixate on the causes of evil, but Jesus was sent by God to display the works of God to save, to redeem, and to heal. People see darkness and ask, where's God? I see darkness and say, look, look at the light. See the light. Jesus said, I'm the light. Let the light in. And so here's a first thought. When darkness spreads or when darkness creeps or wherever that happens, Jesus shines. Jesus shines. Every difficult situation is an opportunity so that the works of God might be displayed. Think about that. When some people look at tragedies and say, where is God? I look at the first responders. I look at the neighbors and friends. I look at the people that rise up to help and to rescue and to step into the mess and be a part of the redemptive works of God. And I say, there's God in the midst of that. And how you view that will affect a whole lot of the way you view the world around you. So Jesus says, yes, here's a man born blind. It's not his fault. It's not his parents' fault. But I want you to know I'm the light of the world. This happens so that I can show you what we're supposed to do about people with disabilities or people that have problems or tragedies or hurricanes or whatever. I'm going to step into that with light. I'm going to go into the darkness. We accuse God of the darkness rather than say, look at the light that he brings into the darkness. Jesus' mission was, the Spirit is on me so that I could preach good news, proclaim freedom, recovery of sight, release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's why Jesus came. 
And so God wants to display his works. When you're suffering, when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through tough times, God wants to display his works in you. In you. He sees the man born blind and he goes to the man. This man didn't step to Jesus. Jesus stepped forward to the man. He steps into his life. And the man responds. Notice he goes on to verse 6. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. You know, I look, it's just curious to me the means by which Jesus does this miracle. Spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on the man's eyes. Now, I doubt that that was a normal um, um, prescription for healing blindness in the days of Jesus. I don't think they would send you to the, your PCP and he would say, okay, here's, here's the remedy, you know. Uh, maybe after Jesus did it, everybody started trying it. I don't know, but, uh, but, it, but it worked. He spit, he made blood, put on the eyes, and, and he said to the man, now I want you to do something. I want you to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So in other words, I'm sending you to the place. I'm sending you to this place called the pool of being sent. And so the man went and he washed, and guess what? He came home seeing. A man born blind now can see. Man born blind, what does he do when he's blind? He, he spends his life begging for support. There was no welfare system in those days. There was no government safety net for them in those days. You made your, your income by begging for handouts from people. And all of a sudden, he's no longer begging. He can see. He comes back. Jesus stepped forward to the blind man, and then the man, no, he had to do something also. He stepped forward in obedience to Jesus. He could have said, Jesus, why can't you just touch me now? Jesus, why can't you do it here? Why do I have to do this? Did he argue? Did he bargain? Did he fight with Jesus? No. What did he do? He went and did what Jesus asked him to do. And guess what? It worked. He was willing to be healed. He was willing to be healed. Crazy thought. You know, there are people that sometimes, not everybody, obviously, rare people, but there are some people on rare occasions, you wonder, do you really want to be healed or is this really working for you in some way? Are you making a better income as a beggar and a blind man than maybe you could make out, you know, working? I don't know. Some people, Jesus even asked one time, do you want to be healed to a person? So the man was humble enough. He was willing to be healed. He was desperate enough to obey Jesus. He could have said, I'm okay. I don't need your help. It's my lot in life. It's my karma. I'm making a good income of my blindness. He could have questioned him, Jesus, you know, why do I need to do this? But, but God wants us to cooperate with his acts. He wants us to cooperate. God wants to, you find power, you find courage when you act in obedience to Jesus. It's sometimes the hardest step for you to take is that first step. When God touches you and, and you know that God did a work in you to deliver you from something to whatever, uh, an addiction or a, a, a sin in your life or something, sometimes that first step is the hardest. But when you find as you take that first step, the next step gets a little easier and it gets a little easier. Not that it's not ever a struggle, but it's that first step in saying, I need that help. I'm willing to receive that help. I'm willing to go forward with a different way of seeing things. So the question today is, 
where do you need to step forward with Jesus? What, what part of your life do you need to say, Jesus, I need to be healed in this area of my life. I need you to touch me. I need you to open my eyes to see things differently from your vantage point. Jesus, where do you need, I need you to help me. And so where Jesus shines, you need to walk in his light. You need to walk in his light. God wants to display his work in you, but you know what? God wants also to display his work through you. And so that's the rest of this story, is how God used this miracle to speak to a broader audience and, and the group of people that are there. So, so notice what happens. Um, he, he goes back, he's seeing, and he tells his neighbors, his neighbors and his others, they knew him as a blind beggar, but they, they didn't know him as a man who could see. Is this the guy that we knew? Is this the man that used to be blind and beg and sit and beg? And, uh, and some would say, well, no, it looks a lot like him, but it can't be him because these things just don't happen. And so the beggar kept saying, it's me, I'm him, trust me. Well, well who healed you? What happened? And he said, the man they called Jesus, and he told them he put mud and prayed in my eyes, told me to go wash, and here I am. Where's he now, they say. I don't know, he replied. And, he, and, and, and he, you know, Jesus touched him, and somehow in the crowd, Jesus was sort of disappearing. And so then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, the religious experts, the, the people who have all the answers because they've studied the Torah, they've studied God's word, they memorized it from beginning to end, and they know how God works. And God, according to their plan, doesn't work like this. So they took him to the, to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Tisk tisk tisk. We don't do things on the Sabbath because we're supposed to keep it holy. Didn't you read the book? Don't you know the rules? Because we're rule followers. We're rule keepers. The Pharisees asked the man all about it and he said, well, he put mud on my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how could a sinner perform such signs? You see, in their theology, it's all about who's a sinner and who isn't. It's all about who's in and who's out. It's all about I'm in and you're not. I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm rich, I have God's favor, you're poor, you're suffering, obviously you did something wrong. It's your fault. I'm better than you because God loves me and you must be a sinner. So some said, well, he's a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath and said, well, but how could he be because he performed a miracle? And they turned again to the blind man. Well, what do you have to say about it? It was your eyes that were open. This is a humorous story. It really is. The man replied, he's a prophet. Okay, you wait in, that's your vote. They still didn't believe him that he had been born blind and had received his sight. Oh, it was a fake until they sent for the, his parents. So they go to his parents and they say, okay, tell us the truth. Was he, is this your son? Was he really born blind? How is it now that he can see? And so the parents, they kind of get caught in the middle of all this. Well, we know he's our son. <laughs> I like that. We know he's our son. 
And we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He's an adult. Don't suck me into this debate. I don't want to be pulled into this. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. And so his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Do you see that? That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Because they knew the Pharisees, they, they weren't concerned about who God is and what God is all about doing. They were concerned about keeping their power, keeping their position, keeping their status, being able to write the rules and keep the rules that would keep them on top. Second time, they asked the man who had been born, give glory to God, tell us the truth. We know he's a sinner. In other words, tell us what we want to hear. The truth is our truth. Tell us our truth. Tell us what we want to hear. We know he's a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Here's the thing. When God touches a life and changes a life, sometimes there are people in that person's world that just don't understand. They don't get it. You mean you're not going to do drugs with me again? You mean you're not going to go to that place with me again? You mean you're going to stop this affair with me again? Again? Are you going to stop this affair with me? You mean you're going to stop doing? You mean you're going to stop cheating on your? You mean you're going to stop lying? You mean? Come on! What's wrong with you? Right? They don't understand. When God does a work and God heals somebody, there will be those who will not see the work of God that is happening in you. And so the man refused to get caught up in the theological debate. Jesus, in the midst of this story, is deconstructing their, their dominant religious thinking. The Pharisees were blinded by their own preconceptions and their, 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 their agendas. But the blind man saw Jesus, and you see in the end of this story, the Pharisees were the ones who were truly blind. So here's a third thought here. Regardless of others, keep your eyes open to Jesus. Keep your eyes open to Jesus. Don't let others blind you by their truth. So the story goes on. But what did he do? They asked him. How did he heal you? Look, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I mean, if you don't see the humor in that, you're missing it. It's just, so you want to be his disciples too. They, they, then they cursed him. I won't use that, but he, they cursed him. You're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know who this man, where this man comes from. The sarcasm here is just so thick. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not have done it. 
You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they excommunicated him. They threw him out of the synagogue. Then Jesus came across the man. This sermon, this, this story preaches itself. I just have to read it. Easiest sermon I ever preached. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he had found them, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me, I, so that I might believe him. Jesus said, now you've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I've come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and they said, what, are we blind too? The implication is yes. And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And so at the beginning of the story, we had a blind man that was surrounded by people that could see. At the end of the story, we see a seeing man who's surrounded by people who are spiritually blind. So here's the big idea. We need to be aware of God on display when God is on display. When you see tragedy, when you see hurricanes, when you see bad things, look for God in the rescue. Look for God in the redemption. See God in the healing. See God in the restoration. See God in the first responders, in the people who are helping out, in those who are going to help them to recover. That's the work of God in this situation. That's what God is like. That's what this scripture is saying today. So be aware of God on display and look around you in the workplace. Look around you in your family when you see God at work. Let, let your spiritual radar recognize that and give God the glory for that. But beware of your blind spots. Beware of your blind spots. When you, when you begin to look at other people and make judgments about other people based on their circumstances or their situations, beware that it's not your blindness, your own self-righteousness, your own pride, your own prejudices coming through. Beware of your blind spots because that's not Jesus. Jesus is there to forgive sinners, redeem the broken, heal the hurt. That's the mission statement we read at the beginning. The takeaway of this is this happened to this man so the works of God might be displayed. And, and God is always at work, especially in tragic circumstances. So be aware of God working in these circumstances, but also know that God wants to work not only in you, God wants to work through you. Sometimes you can be that person that is God's healing hand extended to people that are in need. You have a choice to participate in the work of God when he touches you? Are you gonna take those steps in obedience to, to, to follow him? And you have a choice to see God at work and give God the glory and be a part of God's work displayed in that situation. Thinking about Freedom Sunday, I was reminded of a story that happened this summer. We think that human slavery happens over there somewhere in those developing countries or in these third world situations. No, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked at what happens even around us in our own 
communities. But it was July 24th, I believe, in San Antonio, Texas, 12.30 in the morning, midnight clerk at Walmart. Just working the counter at Walmart. Some guy comes into the store, he's seemingly disoriented and he asks for some water. This was this year. The man could have just said, here's some water, there's a fountain. He could have just given him what he wanted and get out of my business. I, I'm, it's not in my pay scale to help anybody here at Walmart <laughs> except give them what they want to pay for. He could have said that, but he didn't. He could have thought something's wrong, but it's not my problem. He could have said, yeah, there's something fishy going on here. He may have suspected what was happening and thought, you know, these people deserve what they get. They're coming into this country illegally. Whatever happens to them, they deserve it. I'm going to just ignore this problem. I'm not going to deal with it. But what did he do? He picked up the phone and he called the authorities. And when the authorities got to this Walmart, there was a tractor-trailer truck there. And 10 people were already dead. 30 people needed to be rushed to the hospital they said that it was 101 degrees that day and they were packed in there, 100 people in the back of a tractor trailer that was smuggling them. And I'm sure the human smugglers got a lot of money from each one of those people who were looking for a way to improve their life somehow. And that clerk did something. He stepped forward. He called the authorities. And people were saved as a result of that. Unfortunately, that's way too common of a problem and most times it doesn't get found out. But the question is, are we willing to step forward to be a part of the solution? Are we willing to help people who are desperate, who are in need? Are we willing to, re to help people that need the, to be rescued? So, on this Freedom Sunday, we're reminded to be aware of how God wants to step into tragedies, the tragedies of human slavery, human trafficking, to set people free. But at the beginning, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Darkness exists. That's why Jesus came. We can sit here and say, well, if there was a God, there would be no darkness. Or we could say, yes, there's darkness and God does something about it. Do you want to be a part of the solution? Do you want to walk into the light? Do you want to step forward with Jesus into the light? Or do you want to just sit there and debate about the darkness? I, 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 I don't want to be that person that just sits here and debates. We can have that theological discussion when we meet Jesus face to face. But I, but, I, but I would think that he would have the same answer. You know what? Evil exists. Bad things happen to good people. People innocently suffer tragedy. And sometimes they suffer for their own mistakes and they pay the price for that. Our answer isn't to point fingers and place blame. Our answer is to, God, can your works be displayed in me and through me. Amen? So how about you?
How about you? How about you? Where does God need to work in you? Where do you need to take those first steps to follow Jesus? Maybe you've never done that because you're always, you're smart, you're bright, you're asking all those deep theological questions and, and, and I get that, I do the same thing. I found that in life there are just things we won't know on this side of eternity and I'm willing to accept mystery and questions. But one thing I think that is very clear in scripture is God is a God who wants to bring light and he wants me to be that light and he wants us to be that light. I'm glad to be a part of a community who gets that. I'm glad to be a part of a church that understands that and I want us to be that. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna ask the band to come up. We're gonna respond with one song, but I wanna pray. I wanna pray for you who are here today, those who are hearing my voice right now, even on the podcast, who, who, who are, are broken. Somehow, in some way, you're like this blind man, emotionally, physically, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a spiritual thing, but you're stuck. You're, 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 you've been victimized by this problem, and I want you to see that Jesus wants to step forward to you. Are you willing to step forward to him? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I'll do what you ask? I, I want to be empowered by you. I don't want to be um, enabled by you. I want to be empowered by you to step forward. Jesus, heal me, touch me, open my eyes, heal my broken body, heal my broken heart, heal my broken mind. God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my prejudice. Forgive me of my, my presuppositions. Help me, Jesus, to see people as you see people. And maybe you're here today and you've been one of those who's real quick to point, to try to find fault, point fingers. And, and Jesus is just speaking to you, you know what? Your time and energy would be better spent trying to be part of the solution, not part of the finger pointers. And it's time for you to have a change of heart and a change of mind. Would you just say, Jesus, help me to be see better Forgive me of my spiritual blindness. Open my eyes that I might see more clearly what you want me to see. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.